Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. This morning, as we continue worshiping, I want us to talk about something that I think every single one of us deals with. And the problem is, not a lot, we don't talk about it a whole lot from the stage. We don't talk a lot about it in small groups. We don't talk a lot about it in growth group. It's something that affects every single one of us. It's so common. It's, it's basically the common cold in our spiritual lives. And it's this idea of wanting to quit. It's this idea where we all get to those moments where something happens and something causes us to begin to doubt. Something happens that causes us to want to back away. Something happens that causes us just want to give up and quit. I know what happens in my life. Usually it's when I'm tired. It's usually after a season that's been heavy schedule-wise. It's usually during a time where emotions are off the chart. In the middle of those moments, if we're not careful, we begin to step away and we begin to back up and we begin to quit on the thing that God has called us to do. And let me just break it down real practically because I know in our church, our goal is to always teach in a way that says, hey, we want to connect this to real life. So here's the real life part of that. There's some of us in this room that you're ready to quit because your boss is not who you thought they were. You worked for a person and you thought, hey, this company's gonna be great, this boss is gonna be great, but somewhere along the way, they did something that wasn't fair, somewhere along the way, they did something that you didn't agree with, and somewhere along the way, because of that boss, you are tempted to quit. You're tempted to quit. Maybe it's not a boss, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's somebody that has taken credit for the ideas that you've given, ideas that has helped the company, helped the situation, and they've taken credit, and you're like, really? Is that the way it's going to be? I'm out of here. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Sometimes it happens in relationships. Sometimes it happens in, in marriages where somebody says, maybe I married the wrong person. I don't want, I don't know what to do. They're not the person that I thought they were. And we end up wanting to quit. That happens for all of us. And what happens is there's a lot of people that make a permanent decision based on something that is temporary. There are people that quit on jobs. There are people that quit on marriages. There are people that quit on churches. There are people that quit on every different level of life. They make a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. And the message this morning is one simple line that is simply this, don't give up. This is such an important issue that God spent an entire chapter in the New Testament talking about it. If you have your Bibles, be finding 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, look for 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you don't have one with you, I'm going to read the verses for you. But I'm going to invite you to take some notes. I'm going to invite you to jot down some things along the way. Because my question is, if this is so common in our lives, if this is so common even in guides in Scripture, because the guy that wrote 2 Corinthians 4 is a guy named Paul who had his life completely changed by God. His life was radically changed by God. And from the moment he met God on, this guy started churches. This guy preached the gospel. This guy saw hundreds and thousands and, and literally based on his influence, millions of people come to Christ. And yet this guy had those moments where he was ready to quit. This guy had those moments where he was ready to throw in the towel, to take a step back and say, I'm done. And yet if this guy can figure out how to not do it, how do you and I keep from losing heart? If you have your Bibles, look at it. 2 Corinthians 4, listen to verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry as we've received mercy, 
we do not lose heart. There's the, there's the tie-in for today. He says, look, we have this ministry. Hey, we have this thing. Hey, we have this thing that God's called us to do in the middle of it. We must not lose heart. Verse two, but we have renounced the things that are hidden because of shame. We're not walking in craftiness of truth or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth. And what Paul begins to do is he begins to describe how he does not lose heart. How do you do it? I mean, when you're married to somebody that you thought they were different and you're ready to quit, how do you not lose heart? When you're in a job or a career that seems like it's just one roadblock after another, how do you not quit? Maybe relationally within the home when there's a a, a sibling thing that that happens in a wedge, how do you keep from quitting? Well, if you've got something to write on, I'm going to ask you to write these down. Big point number one this morning that comes right out of 2 Corinthians 4 is we must identify the cause. We must identify the cause. What is the thing that's causing us to want to quit? What is the thing that's caused us to get worked up? What's the thing that's caused us to begin to doubt and to begin to step back and to say, you know what, I'm out, I'm done, I'm quitting. What is the cause of it? Because here's what I found in my own life is a lot of times when you're in that season where you're tempted to quit, your emotions are all all over the chart, aren't they? When you're, when you're tired and you're angry and you're hungry and you've got stress on your life, that's when your emotions begin to take off. And you're, while your emotions are real, they're not always right. And so in the middle of those emotions, in the middle of that doubt, in the middle of you wanting to quit, we have to identify. Here's what Paul says in verse 2. He says, we have renounced the things that are hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth. You know what Paul's doing? Paul's identifying the thing that's causing him to doubt. He's causing the thing that's causing him to step back. And what he's beginning to do is saying, in the middle of this moment, my emotions may be real, but my emotions aren't necessarily right. So in the middle of this moment, I'm going to manifest truth. I'm going to look for what's true. And in all of our lives, that's the great task is to begin to identify where's the truth? What is the truth in this situation? If you're taking notes underneath that first point, let me just describe some of the areas that I've seen this happen. When I say identify the cause, A, one of the major causes that people want to quit is because they have been lied to. They've been lied to. Somebody said one thing and then somebody did something else. They've been lied to. And so you take a step back. You're like, really? You said one thing, you did something else. I'm done. So A, lied to. B, another reason why a lot of people begin to quit is because something doesn't turn out the way that they thought it would. Something doesn't turn out. So it's a, it's a promotion that was promised. It's a, it's a, a, a thing within the family. Something was promised and it didn't turn out the way that you thought it was. Maybe it's not a promise. Maybe it's health issue. Maybe it's something else where you thought one thing's going to happen, then something else did. The next one, C, if you're taking notes, just write down tragedy. Tragedy. Sometimes it's the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's the death of a dream. Sometimes it's some wedge that's been driven and that tragedy has caused you to take a step back. Here's the last one I'll mention. We could go on and on and on, but D, we lose confidence. We lose confidence. Something something happens that causes us to begin to say, you know what, I don't know 
if I can do it. And here's the goal in the middle of this, whether it's doubt or whether it's deceit or whether it's some disaster or some drama that's taking place, here's what'll happen if we're not careful. Those things will take over our lives. Those things will cause us to think things are darker than they really are. Those things will cause us to think there's no hope, there's no help. And the goal in big point number one to say, let's identify the cause is for us to get to the point to recognize it for what it is and to say, God, would you help me? To get us to the point on our knees where we begin to say, God, I can't do this. God, I can't deal with this. God, I don't know what's going to happen, but God, would you help me? Because everybody deals with this. Everybody deals with this, no matter what economic status you are, no matter what your zip code is, no matter what your age is, every one of us has those moments where we want to quit. And so number one, we've got to identify the cause. What is that thing? Why am I feeling the way I am? Big point number two, if you're taking notes, not only identify the cause, but we must stay grounded. We must stay grounded. See, here's what I know is anytime our emotions are off the chart, it's easy to make emotional decisions, isn't it? It's easy for us to make a, a, a snap dis- judgment, to, to shoot from the hip, so to speak, to just do whatever seems expedient, whatever seems right in the moment. And here's what I found is often when you make a decision when you're angry, often when you make a decision when you're lonely, often when you make a, a, a decision when you're tired, usually if you make that snap decision, you're going to regret it later. Isn't that true? Haven't you ever, haven't you ever made a decision or fired off an email or, or, uh, 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 went off on somebody online or whatever it may be? And the moment you click send, the moment you sent that text message, the moment you did that thing, you immediately regretted it because in the middle of that moment, it felt right, but it wasn't right. So instead of us leaning in and saying, I'm going to do whatever I want to, we must stop and stay grounded. Here's what I mean. If you have your Bibles, look at verse five. He says, for we do not preach ourselves. And this is important for Paul to say because Paul has people attacking him because of his ministry. Paul has people saying, Paul's in it for himself. Paul has people saying, man, this guy uh, is twisting the truth. And here's what Paul's saying in verse five. I'm not twisting the truth. I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm preaching the gospel. Listen to verse five. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. He's grounding his faith. He's building this foundation in the middle of doubt, in the middle of disaster, in the middle of this drama. He's saying, look, I'm preaching Christ. Look down at verse six. He says, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of of God in the face of Christ. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying this feels dark, but it's not too dark. Paul's saying this feels heavy, but it's not too heavy. Paul's saying in the, in light of all this, yes, people are lying about me. People are doing mean things to me. They made promise. They didn't keep the promise. In the middle of that, you know what Paul's saying? Jesus is still in control. I thought there might be an amen right there. Anybody got an amen in you? He's saying Jesus is still in control, that he is the light that shines into darkness. I mean, that's good news. I mean, in the middle of the thing that's causing us to say, I want to quit, in the middle of that darkness, he's saying he's still in the business of being the light. He's still the light that shines in the dark situation. And here's what I know about that is he gives us exactly what we need. 
He gives us exactly what we need, not what we think we need. He gives us what he knows we need. Here's what he says. Here's how he says in verse six, light shines out of darkness. He is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know what he's saying? We got to stay grounded. See what I found is what gets us through these tough times. What gets us through doubt, what gets us through losing heart isn't the way that we feel. You can't give yourself a pep talk. You can't just get up in the morning and say, all right, I'm going to conquer today. I'm all for positive thinking. I'm always for being the eternal optimist. But the thing that gets you through these seasons is not how you feel. What gets you through these seasons is what you know to be true, regardless of how you feel. In other words, the thing that gets us through these seasons aren't emotional responses. What gets us through these seasons are theological responses that we've got to have a faith that's robust. We've got to have a faith that's built off of the word of God. We've got to have a faith that, that, that is founded in him, not based on how we feel, but based on what God has said. So big point number one, we've got to identify the cause. Why is it that well, I'm feeling the way I'm feeling? Big point number two, I've got to stay grounded. I've got to get in the word of God every single day and be reminded that Jesus is in charge, that he's the light in darkness. He gives me what I need. His power is in the middle of my situation. Then big point number three, this doesn't sound very theological. It doesn't sound very deep, but just write down this phrase if you're taking notes. We've got to lighten up. Doesn't that sound theological? You're like, really? You got your master's of divinity degree to tell me to lighten up? In fact, let's all just take a deep breath in and let it out slowly. Doesn't that feel good? Some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, no. (laughs) You need to lighten up. What I've found in my own life is when I'm in the middle of one of these seasons of wanting to quit, I get wound up tight. Isn't that true? Haven't you seen that where you get wound up and you're just ready to snap? In fact, I had lunch with a a friend of mine on Thursday and we were talking about this idea. It was random. It just sort of came up. But he he was like, yeah, Bobby, I I had the same experience. We were driving on his way to lunch. uh, He's driving up to a traffic light. It turns green. The person in front of him doesn't go immediately. They they wait like half a second. And he's like, and I laid on my horn. I'm like, go, right? We get wound up. We get wound tight. We get short fused. I mean, all the, all the yelling in traffic, all the evil gestures, all the frustration. And that's just in the church parking lot after the service is over, right? I mean, we're wound up. We're wound tight. And so this isn't very theological on the surface, but it's so true. We've got to learn to lighten up because here's what I found. The number one reason why people quit is not because of something externally that happened. It's because of a person that they're close to in their life. We allow people to cause us to want to quit. What we do is we take a spouse and we put them on a pedestal. We take a minister, we put them on a pedestal. We take a boss, we put them on a pedestal. And here's what we do. We put them on a pedestal. We act like they're different, that they're, you know, somehow there's, there's something different about them. But here's what I know is that they're still just a person. There's going to be a moment that that person, whether it's a boss, a pastor, a spouse, a friend, a sibling, a neighbor, there's going to be a time that they let you down. It's going to happen. So let's quit acting like it's not going to happen and recognize what it is, because here's what I know about that person. Guess what? Here's the theological truth. They're just a person. Your pastors were just a person. 
Your spouse, they're just a person. Your boss is just a person. I, I don't know, I know, I know, but they're different. They wear a suit and tie to work every day. They're still just a person. How do I know that? Well, listen to how Paul describes this. Listen to verse verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What does your translation say? If it doesn't say earthen vessels, what does it say? Jars of clay. And so there's a good side of this. God uses vessels. And so the good news is God wants to use us, but the bad news is we're earthen vessels. We're jars of clay. At, at our house, um, uh, we have sort of the, the, the vessels, the plates that you use when nobody's over. Like I've got this one plate that my roommate from college, when he got married, he's like, you can have it. <laughs> I've got this one plate that's just a basic plate with this blue stripe around it. And whenever I'm fixing breakfast for myself, I use that plate almost every single time. Almost every single time I use this plate. But when my grandparents come over like they did yesterday, do you think we're pulling out the blue stripe plate? No, we're pulling out the better stuff, right? We're washing the good stuff. We're breaking that out. But here's what I know. No matter what we look like on the outside, no matter what clothes we wear, no matter what our pedigree is, no matter what degree you have, what zip code, what your house is, here's what Paul says about you and about me. We're still earthen vessels. That none of us are perfect. None of us are different. In fact, he's intentional to use this language to say we're vessels that God can use. But here's what Paul knows is that if we were perfect vessels, if we were fine china, we would be tempted to take the credit for what God's doing in our life, wouldn't we? If we had it all together, we'd be tempted to say, yep, (laughs) I'm just that way. I'm just that good. But guess what Paul says? We all are broken. We all are chipped. None of us are perfect, that every single one of us are cracked vessels. That boss that you work for is a cracked vessel. That person that you married, I know that they're beautiful. I know that they're awesome. And I know that he was Prince Charming, but he is a cracked vessel. That that small group leader, they're a cracked vessel. That pastor, that deacon, that person, whoever, that, that sibling, they're all cracked vessels. Nobody's perfect. And so one of the things that's helpful is just to take a deep breath and to lighten up. And when somebody hurts you and when somebody disappoints you, don't let some person cause you to quit on what God has called you to. Does that make sense? Don't let a person who is a cracked vessel cause you to give up on what God has called you to do. Nobody's perfect. And one of the things that happens in church world is we have this idea, well, maybe in church it's different. Maybe when you go to church and you put on nice clothes and da-da-da, maybe it's different. And I want to say to all of us, there's no place that, and there's no person that's perfect. In fact, it drives me crazy when people say to me, well, I can't go to that church or I can't go to that small group. I can't go to that Sunday school class because they're a bunch of hypocrites. Have you ever heard something like that? Hey, there's just hypocrites. I can't go. And my question is, where can you go that there are not hypocrites present? I mean, I go to the mall of Georgia and I look around and I'm like, that guy has no fashion sense, hypocrite. Right? They're like, you're not supposed to think that way, but you've done it too, haven't you? You've been people watching, right? Well, I don't quit shopping at the mall because there's some hypocrites at the mall. 
Right, I work down, work out at, at Bodyplex, and I, when I go out to work out, there's some people that are out of shape. I, I don't stop and say, "Oh, you hypocrite! You're talking on the phone while you're on the treadmill." Get out! I, I can't work out here. I buy eggs at the store, and out of a dozen, there's usually that cracked egg, the hypocritical egg. I don't stop buying eggs. I, I guess I, I give up eggs, right? <laughs> yes, I went to seminary for that. That's awesome. No. Pray for me. We just need to lighten up. Nobody, I'm, I'm not saying what that person did is right, but what I am saying is nobody's perfect. That person in your family that you're holding that grudge, that person's not perfect. That thing that happened in the last time you tried a Sunday school class, that person's not perfect. That, that thing that happened, that person that cut you off in traffic that you think is the most, you don't know what's going on in their life. They're not perfect. That, that, that person that was short to you in the hallway, that person that seemed, let's give some people some slack and recognize that they're just people. Are y'all with me on that? Can we just do that? So big point number one, we've got to identify the cause. What is it that's causing you to want to quit? Number two, we've got to stay grounded instead of flying off the, off, off the deep end and doing all for us to say, I'm going to stay grounded. Big point number three, to, to lighten up, to see that people are frail. And then here's the last point, big point number four, we've got to learn to fuel our faith. We've got to fuel our faith. See, you can fuel the negative thoughts that you're having. I mean, there's plenty of people around us that are half empty kind of people. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, if you wanted some fuel for your negativity, you could find it anywhere. You could you, you turn on the news, turn on talk radio, pick up the newspapers. Uh, 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 there's negativity all around us. There's drama all around us. You could choose to fuel that if you want to, but I guarantee you, if you fuel that, you're going to be at that point to saying, I quit, I quit. And so we have got to make a conscious, deliberate effort to say, instead of fueling the negativity, instead of thinking the worst about my situation, I'm going to choose to fuel my faith. Here's how Paul does it. Listen, I wish I could read this whole chapter to you, but, but listen to what he says in verse 11. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. How often is constantly? All the time. <laughs> He's like, look at my day timer. I was shipwrecked. I mean, do y'all know Paul's backstory? He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was beaten, left for dead. People picked up these giant stones and they threw him at, threw them at him. They hit him. They thought he was dead. They laughed him there, right? Here's a guy that's been shipwrecked, beaten, snake bitten, left for dead. And here's what he says, being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He's saying, look, this situation is bad. I didn't vote for it. It's awful, really. But somehow Jesus is being seen in this situation. I love that perspective. Listen to what he goes on to say down in verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison." Say what, Paul? Paul, you were, you were beaten up and left for dead. Yeah, but that's momentary light affliction. <laughs> Paul, can I just remind you, they picked up these giant boulders and they hurled them at your head. And you bled. People thought you were dead. Yes, but that is momentary and that is light affliction. Paul, you were shipwrecked while doing the will of God. You were preaching for God and yet you were stranded and you felt alone and Paul's saying yeah but that's just momentary 
He's fueling his faith. He says that's momentary light affliction. And here's the contrast to that is producing an eternal weight of glory. He's saying, look, you can focus on the momentary, but I'm choosing to focus on the eternal. Listen to how he goes on to say, uh, he closes out this chapter, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are what? They are eternal. There's got to be that moment where something rises up inside of us and says, yes, this situation is not great. I'm not, what they did to me is not necessarily right. I'm not really enjoying where I'm at in this season. There's got to be a moment where we make this purposeful choice to say, but I'm going to fuel my faith. In the middle of the temporary, I'm going to look beyond the temporary and I'm going to look towards the eternal. In the middle of this moment, here's what Paul says, verse 13, but having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. Listen to verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also. He's saying, I know the one that beat death. (laughs) Yeah, but they lied to me at work. Yeah, but I know the one that, that beat death. But they weren't who I thought they were when I married them. But guess what? You know the one that beat death. Well, it doesn't feel great. I, I, I feel like I've been abandoned. Yes, but the one who beat death is living inside of you. If the one who beat death is living inside of you, we have no reason to quit. In fact, Paul wraps this up and he says in verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. There's never been a moment that you've asked the Lord Jesus to come and live inside of you. If there's never been a moment that you've asked him to become the leader of your life, that's where all of this starts. Not our emotions, not our feelings, but our faith in him. Today, I would invite you as I pray for you and pray with you, would you just ask him and say, Jesus, I need what only you can do. I need your forgiveness. I need your freedom. I need you living inside of me. And if you are a believer today, would you take a moment and as we pray, and say, Jesus, would you help me direct my emotions? Would you help me fuel my faith and see that you're present in the middle of my problems? Would you help me to see your strength in the middle of my situation? I choose to fuel my faith. Let me pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? This morning, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you can do that now. You can say, dear Jesus, I know that I need what only you can do. I know that only you can forgive me and only you can save me. As best as I know how, I ask you to be the light in my dark situation. Would you save me and lead me? If you're a believer today, would you just say, God, would you help me to focus my faith today? Help me to find hope and find strength in you. When I feel like my faith is wavering, help me to believe again that you're present today. I pray this in the name of Jesus.